podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. everyone and welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. My name is David Edgar and I am your host as always here and it's good to be back after the first home league match of the season. Rangers getting off to a good uh, well, home start. We've got off to a winning start the week before at Livingston when we defeated Kilmarnock by two goals to nil. Joining me to discuss that and look ahead to, well if it's not a mountain it's certainly a big hill to climb, is first of all the Sage of Solcoats, Andy McGowan. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning depending on when the listeners listen to this Andy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hello from me. Thanks for having me on, David. I'm doing well. Always a pleasure, my friend. And uh, from deepest Derbyshire, it's James Tessier. Good evening, good morning, etc., etc. Tess. I hope, chaps, it's nice to be with you. Ah, it's good to have you, my friend. Uh, right, so season started at Levy, and you know, tough ground out the the victory. Kind of similar against Kilmarnock. I don't think expectations were much different, to be honest. I, I think, given it was a Derek McInnes team, we thought they would come to Ibrox, they would be well organised, they would get men behind the ball, not really of much attacking intent. All of those things came to pass. It was whether Rangers could break them down, and Rangers eventually did. Uh, Antonio Cholak's first competitive goal for the club, followed up by a very popular goal indeed, the returning Alfredo Morelos, showing us what we've been missing these past five months. So, victory in the bag, Andy, but there were some concerns stated that again it was a very similar performance to what we saw last season at times where Rangers struggling against uh, they call it low blocks these days men behind the ball uh, as you and I would know it as and that again Rangers just not quite on each other's wavelength now where it's different to last season and maybe previous seasons as Rangers are bedding in a number of new attacking options which we haven't seen before um, at Ibrox but even so the among the victory, and you know, you'll always take any win in the Premier League. The the old cliche, another thirty six of them will be fine. But were there slight concerns for you? There were. Um, I had red flags uh, the first half at Livingston, and those same red flags were, were kind of waving to me the first half on Saturday as well. And you know, I've got to check myself because, as you said, we're bedding in new players. It's totally unrealistic to have a full flowing, free-flowing football team after three competitive games, whatever it is, when you've made a number of changes, particularly in the attacking third. But there's just... I don't know what it is, David. I, I, I think we're just 10% too safe, maybe 12% too safe. And I would like to see a wee bit more maverick initiative. Uh, we're seeing it in flashes for Alexa Tillman, but I'm, I'm looking at Alexa Scott right here. Don't check in. Take your man on. Um, Tom Lawrence was opposite. He was always looking to shape up to take on a man or shoot or move forward. I just felt in the first half, at halftime, I was cracking up because I could I could sense that we really needed a breakthrough. And the longer this went on, the more it suited the uh, Derek McInnes's the dodge that he serves up for, for what he calls football. Tess, I'm going to talk to you later about Tom Lawrence in a bit more detail. Obviously, you've very familiar with the guy after watching him at Derby for a while, but um, I thought he was excellent and got better progressively throughout the match, taking the responsibility. But on Andy's point, and I think it's a fair point, that quite often Rangers do lapse into playing safely, which is the extra touch, which is the turn back, which is the 
retain possession, I get, but there is a risk-reward factor, especially when you're up against pack defences. You have to try it, and you've got to be confident enough in yourself that if you do it and everybody goes, oh, which, you know, will happen at any football ground, but particularly at Ibrox, that you then go, I don't care, I'm going to do that the next time because one of these will get through. And in the opening two matches, there have been sparks of that, but really not much more than that. Well, I've I've had um, I've been lucky enough to attend both league games this season, and I've had two different perspectives of it. At Livingston last week, I was in one of the ends. Uh, my view of the match was Rangers just passing it side to side, side to side, playing in front of their back four, not really penetrating, not going direct, just side to side, nice passy passy. And obviously, once we did switch it up, um, Tav's free kick, superb. A lovely ball in for our field to um, equalise again, superb. But other than that, it was all nice, tippy-tappy, side-to-side, not really going anywhere. Uh, where, where I sit at Ibrox, it's up in the govern rear. So rather than being behind the football, I've got, I'm have got i up looking down on it. So I've, I've got a different perspective of things. And again, it, it was the same kind of thing, all, all side to side. But then you do see the little passes backwards. You, you are able to, to focus on one or two players, see how they're moving, see what kind of space they're getting into, what space they're creating. And we, we just we just didn't seem to be doing it on Saturday. We were... Uh, the, the, the first half, it was it was pretty poor, to be honest. But as, as we know, Derek McInnes knows how to come to Ibrox and get a result. So I, I don't think that was really surprising. Obviously, get, getting the goal so early in the second half did help us. I think, was it the 51st minute we broke the deadlock? A lovely little one-two with Lawrence, who, as you say, we'll, we'll talk about a bit later on. But that's what he's going to do. He's going to find those little balls and, and create that kind of space. Lovely finish from Cholak. But if that's like 60, 70-odd minutes and we're still nil-nil, then we start to panic. And we, we did see quite a few times last season where... We weren't saved by a penalty because, obviously, to win a penalty, you've got to be getting in those areas and and um, drawing the fouls from the opposition defenders. But very often, it was a penalty that got it got got us out of it that ended up getting us the points. And I think, as you say, we were a little bit too not direct enough, not taking enough chances, not creating enough space on Saturday. And if that goal would have come ten, well, if, if that goal wouldn't have come by the sixtieth, seventieth minute, then I think people might start panicking. Antonio Cholak has been getting a bit of abuse. Um, that's too strong a term, but certainly a fair bit of criticism, Andy, uh, since he's arrived at the club. And there have been games where he just hasn't been involved in. There's, there's no getting away from it. Uh, for me, uh, my calibration of him has changed slightly. That He's not a rampaging front man. He's not going to do what Alfie does. Very few players can. But the sign so far to me is this boy's a finisher. Make him a chance and he'll, he'll take it. Which means we need to get making chances, playing through the middle, slipping balls through, all of that kind of stuff, getting to the byline and getting it back. Uh, I wonder if maybe we'd be better off focusing on what he can do rather than bemoaning what he can't. Yeah, I think it's um, classic, kind of making up in your mind what you want the player to be rather than what the player is. And I'm the same as you. All we'd seen him was, was last year against Malmo. We've seen what he could do. What can you take for 90 minutes because you're not actually watching the guy or you're not aware that you know he's going to be a Rangers player? And I think, I mean, I, I have to openly say on Twitter that he's Chris Cholak, as in Chris Boyd, because I think he's pretty close to that type of player and that you perpetual movement, you're going to work very hard, but you can kind of discount what he's going to do outside the box. 
by comparison to Morelos, and that's the important thing, because we're all used to what Morelos does outside the box, and we take it for granted now that it's actually a pretty rare thing for a centre-forward of his ilk, who's a goal scorer, um, a focal point, a, a target man, whatever you want Morelos to be, he can be for you, but he can also drop deep, he can go wide, he can take me on. It's very, very rare to find a striker that you sign for £1.8 million doing all that. Let's face it. If he, if he could do all that, he wouldn't have been at Park, and he wouldn't be he wouldn't be getting for that kind of price range. But his finish was good, and I was glad because the bottom line is that if it wasn't for a, a really bad refereeing decision last week at Livingston, he's got two goals in two domestic games, and you know that's no bad going. So I think he's going to be a good squad player. He's going to be. He's, he's clearly the third choice striker with Roof's back fit, but. I always go back to the fact that you need three goal scorers. Firepower is what takes you to titles and, and cups, and you need people that can come in and chip in with ten goals over the course of a season by being a bit part player. And he's certainly a finisher. So at half time, you know, I think I sent a message to my pals saying that what, what, how bad is he? Because he wasn't doing anything, and his touch was pretty poor, and there was just nothing happening. Well, I don't think it's about him. I think it's about his service. And I think if you give him service in and around that 18-yard box or six-yard box especially, I think you'll get dividends. Domestically, I don't really have many fears from him in terms of scoring goals. But with me, and I'm talking about us as a support, I think we need to appreciate what kind of player he is. He's, he's not Matt Haley. He's a penalty box predator. Yeah, and, and we did laugh at him six minutes later when Joe Lack <laughs> scored the goal, folks, so don't worry. Um, he, he got it tight. Um, James, though, one thing I will say is that, you know, even though, you know, be patient and accept what Joe Lack is, etc., I'll say all that, it was nice to see what we've been missing when the wee man made his appearance. And my God, what a roll that was as he entered the field. It was just all set up for him to score, wasn't it? With with with, he, with his new haircut and his cheeky little smile, he just came on. He, he, he you know, you, you saw one nice thing that I did notice is when Solak scored, Alfie was one of the first ones to go and congratulate him. When he went off to celebrate in that corner, Alfie was straight over, and that's that's very positive in terms of team spirit, in, in my opinion. Uh, especially when he got two guys who are ultimately going to be vying for the for the one um, starting role up front. So that was good to see. But yeah, he's come on, he's milked the applause, he's done what he's done. I, I don't think anybody else on, on the um, on the park would have been in that position to score that goal. And yes, it was only a tap-in. And yes, he very did nearly fluff his lines by putting so much power into it. But he was there, he knew exactly where the ball was going to be and he was there. And, you know, as, as um, whatever Cholak offers us, and I think after three competitive matches, it is for oh, two and a half in his case. Competitive matches it is far too early to judge what he's going to give us. And what I've seen, he's not going to give us that. So it just it just further outlines how outlines how important Alf is to us. The fact that you know he just that the mark of any good striker is knowing where to be. Now you've got some people like a, a Gary Lineker or a Chris Boyd who that's pretty much all he did. But then you've got players like an Ali who he knew that, but at the same time he could make things happen himself. Um, I think the only player we've got with consistent fitness because Roof's got it, but he's, he's never fit, sadly. The, the only player we've got who's really going to play a part for us this season is Alfie. And, you know, it, um, it, you, you can't buy that. You, you can't teach people to be to know where to be. They either know or they don't, and Alfie does. And, you know, I think he proved that on Saturday and he's going to be, as he is every season, he's going to just going to be so, so valuable for us, isn't he? 
even in the short time he was on the park, and he wasn't match sharp, right? And there is a difference between being match fit and match sharp, and that only comes through playing. So you you have to get him in. But even in the short time the pitch, he took up two or three good positions, but they found him. And you know, on another day, he gets at least a couple, I would say, in that match. Um, because he, he he just does. He he has that confidence. He, he gets himself into positions and he throws defenders out the road because sometimes when Alfie's on a rampage, it doesn't really matter if a defender's there or not. They ain't stopping him. Um, and I think we've all missed seeing that uh, rampaging Buffalo. Andy, uh, into the midfield area now that had been heavily criticised and deservedly criticised after the performance uh, on Tuesday night. Now, they weren't the only area of the team that didn't function. None of the areas of the team function so I don't have a problem uh, I'm not singling them out uh, but you know Jack wasn't good Kamara wasn't good um, and the manager turned to Stephen Davis at the weekend now he hasn't always done that uh, and there were you know a wee bit of surprise I was slightly surprised that, that he retained Davis because he'd never really given the impression in the way that he had with somebody like Arfield where he, he clearly really took to him but you see what Stephen Davis can still do um, and sometimes uh, yeah, we look at the age, and yeah, he's, he's definitely clearly not going to be the player he was, but he's still a very good player, and he still has his uses, and I thought he absolutely demonstrated that at the weekend. So, we, we know that when, when Davis is on the part, he's the brain of our team, and uh, I think we also forget sometimes, we've got quite a, a young team as well, when you look through that 11, you've got Sands as a young guy, you've got Tillman, um, Red Van, obviously, when he came on or when he started, and you've got Wright, who I don't think is as advanced and mature as he should be for his age, to be honest with you. So, Davis dictates the tempo, and I mean, he can sometimes be guilty of that safety first on occasion, but he wasn't on Saturday. I thought it was progressive. It was making things happen. He was taking the ball off of the centre-halves. It was... It was he was linking very, very well. And I think it was just the proverbial old head in the team. And it made a hell of a difference because for the Tuesday before, when we had Jack at lunchroom, I was quite shocked actually how far off the pace Jack seemed to be and everything he did. Uh, quite worrying. So actually, I don't know if it was just a one-off or if there's something there in terms of injury or fitness levels. But Davis was absolutely ready. And you mentioned about Van Bronckhorst and how he uses Davis and I think you're right I don't think he's his go-to guy in terms of first choice but I think at this moment in time while we are trying to bed in players trying to get a rhythm trying to get a flow I think it could do a lot worse than actually use Davis to as a steady hand in that team um, I think he's got a calming effect and uh, It'd be one of the first names doing for me, but right now, this period, this period we're in in the season, I think he, he's, he's invaluable. He's experienced, but guys are Rolls Royce. His ability is without question, and he, he just, he's a fine wine. Um, and we used to think he couldn't play with Lundstrom, but that, that's that's not true. I mean, Lundstrom is, is up and running, and him and Davis know exactly how each other play. Yeah, that, again, I just think that that. It's a long-term thing that we need to fix, and we haven't over a number of windows, really. The fact that it is still Davis and Jack uh, and Kamara that are in there. Um, I think we do need 
something different in there to, to add to that. But these are the players that we have currently, so you need to pick the one that's most informing. You need to pick the one that's going to provide something uh, a wee bit better than certainly what we saw on Tuesday night, which was rather woeful. Tess, we mentioned Tom Lawrence earlier. I thought he was a man of the match for me, as good as Davis was, and he was. Um, for me, it was uh, for me it was was Tom Lawrence. I thought that he offers us something we haven't had, which is wanting to shoot from distance regularly and being quite good at it. Very unlucky we won that crashed off the bar in the first half. But he got the assist. Lovely, because it wasn't a great ball from Cholak to him. He, he gave him a lot to do, but he did it. And then he gave Cholak it on a plate. Um, I thought that that he just looked different to a lot of the other guys that we have and that he wants to play in that area where our guys don't, that in-between area between midfield and attack. He picks the ball up. He's not all about speed. He's got a bit of nous about him. Um, as I say, you know him pretty well. Tell us, is that the kind of thing we can look forward to from him moving forward? I think what perfectly encompassed what you're going to see from Tom Lawrence was uh, 15 minutes against West Ham United when he came on he scored a goal, he set two up, and he did mean that second one, by the way, because I've seen him do ridiculous things like that before. So he came on, he got two assists, and then he just completely randomly booted one of their players up the arse. That was, <laughs> that 15 minutes is Tom Lawrence. That That's what I've seen him over the last five years at Derby <laughs> in a nutshell. Perfection. Uh, sat, I, I thought he played well um, at Livingston. We, you know, he had a couple of shots which didn't quite hit the mark. But he was he was he was all right. He was all right uh, when he came on on Tuesday. He wasn't great, but nobody else was, so he wasn't on his own in that regard. Sadly, mate, that's what you're going to see from Tom Lawrence. He's gonna he's gonna find space where space isn't there to be found, both in terms of when he's got the ball because he's he loves a dribble. You know, he, he can absolutely take a man on. Uh, if, if you want to see an example of that, look at. Um, Derby County, Sheffield United from January of this year. Look at his first goal there. I think he texted about half their team, one of the best goals I've ever seen live. Um, so he loves to take a man on, but also he'll find space when he hasn't got the ball. You know, he can find the space to thread a pass through. I mean, he's, he, kn- he knows when to when to hold it. He knows when to give it. I mean, that, that one two he played with Cholak, he waited just enough and a perfectly weighted pass so that Cholak had the, the freedom of Ibrox to choose his place and smash the ball home. That forty-yard volley, that thirty-five, forty-yard volley in the first half. Again, when when we signed him, I said to whoever had listened that he he can and will shoot and score from anywhere in in the opposition half, and sometimes outside of it too. He's, he's not afraid of that at all. Um, again, I, I go back to an example that I've seen. Derby played Bolton a couple of years ago, um, and he's received a throw-in. On the on the touch line, and he's again. It's a position he's got no right to be shooting from, let alone scoring. And he's just smashed it, and it's gone in again about thirty yards from an impossible angle. And you scratch your head like, how did he do that? You know that that's what that's what you're going to get from him. Yes, a lot of the time it ain't going to come off, and people will get frustrated with him as time goes on. But I think that he's shown more than enough. If we take twos out of the occasion, because I think we can all not accept that everybody had an off day, but understand that that's the case, so it's difficult to judge anyone. You learn, look at his two performances in the league this season, and I think he's shown enough for, for him to be given that time. I mean, one worry when he came in was that he wouldn't hit the ground running. And we, we, we know at Ibrox we are a very demanding crowd because we are, we've been formed on success, we've been raised on success, we are built on success. So, 
Other clubs, you're only as good as your last result. I think it was Walter Smith who said, you're only as good as your last pass at Ibrox. That's that's just a fact. So my worry was that he wouldn't hit the ground running and he wouldn't have shown people enough of what he can do for them to say, OK, he might not be on it today, but we've seen something there as a player. But he's proved that so far, I think. Again, his debut against West Ham, his, um, his, his performance in the league so far, he's shown us what he can do. And people are starting to recognise that. They're starting to take to him. They're saying, do you know what? This Maybe this guy has got what we're lacking, especially against teams who are going to come and park the bus. I mean, Kilmarnock weren't as bad as I thought they'd be on a Saturday, but at the same time, they didn't really show much ambition to get out of their own half. And it's players like Lawrence who've got the key to unlock that door that's going to be so vital for us this season. So I'm, 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 you know, I still don't get me wrong. He's, he's, he's moved from one of the clubs to the other, so it ain't like he's, he's, he's gone anywhere unknown. But I do still feel a little bit protective of him because of his legacy at Derby, and you know, especially last season when Rooney made him the captain and he he guided us through one of the worst periods in the club's history. You know, I've I've got a lot of affection for him um, because of that, and I don't want it to be tarnished, but. I'm glad that he's hit the ground running. Uh, it'll be nice when he gets his first goal because I can guarantee it will be an absolute screamer. He doesn't really do tappings. Um, I'm glad he's at the ground running. I'm glad, glad the crowd are taking to him and I'm glad that he's making a positive impact for Rangers. Yeah, well, I'll take any sort of goal uh, on Tuesday night, to be honest, but uh, it would be nice if it was a screamer. Andy, uh, we also got our first look at uh, Ridvan Yilmaz. Uh, he started played for an hour, the manager said afterwards that that was the plan beforehand. And uh, Rabi Matondo as well came on, uh, persevered and, and got his assist uh, at the end. Um, both of them, I think, will have to develop a wee bit physically in Scotland, uh, you know, it shouldn't be this way, but it is in Scotland that it's a very physical game and more importantly, referees allow it to be a very physical game. And uh, you were telling us at the weekend you like all your defenders to be six foot four. <laughs> I, I quite like Dave McPherson. If, I, if I had a, a dream back four, no. it'd be Dave McPherson, no. the right bank, Kurt Broadfoot, left back. No, 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 no just, 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 no, no. I'm the, six foot four fullbacks don't look right. Aye, and all joking aside, I think, I I was actually quite shocked at how he was, right? But I'm not daft enough to make a judgement on the boy based on what it looks like because we've been proven long time and time again. And I do think that he will be used as an out-and-out wing-back. And he even seen if he start position Saturday, he was noticeably further up the park than Barisic has been in, in games this season. And... From what I can gather from his, his the snippets I've seen of him, he's a man that, uh, that plays uh, with one twos. I don't think he's going to buy people like a winger. I don't think he's going to dribble past. But I think what he will do is play off the the inside forwards and, and get one twos to the byline and whip in crosses. And again, you can't judge him on a, a sixty minutes or whatever it was he did there when he's had to work a week in the country. A twenty one year old guy that was kissing his mum goodbye live on Twitter the other week. It's too much to expect him to come in and rip it up in the first the first game back um, for his debut. So I I I'm gonna say this right and I might love to regret it. I have a slight fear that it's it's easy for a team like us to tip over to being too lightweight given the league we play in. And we've seen this before with Advocates team if you recall if we go way, way back there was a couple of signings and we just got a wee bit too lightweight and there wasn't enough, enough robustness. 
I don't think that's going to be the case. It's just a slight wee fear I've got. <laughs> and it's probably based on my Scottish football DNA of, you know, you need to win the tackle first and foremost. And it's probably my dinosaur uh, background. But, you know, me Matondo, he gets stuck in and he's got pace. And I thought he made a wee bit of difference when he came on. Um, no disrespect to Wright, but I thought Wright could have done a lot more. I want to see him be more brave on the ball. He's not the only one, but I want to see, I want to see him take his man on. He's got pace. He can do it. He needs to have the balls to do it. And I think it was epitomised with the, the one where we get the break of the ball just inside their half, probably three on two. And he, and instead of just going with the ball and, and, and you know, turning after Burners on, he, he looks for a pass. So, um, Aye, six foot four left backs, good at corners, no, no so good going forward. Choose your poison. I kind of think we have that conversation about Scott Wright every week on here, don't we? Um, and there does come a point where eventually you kind of keep waiting for him to put it all together. He's going to have to start doing it. And we've had, you know, moments in Scottish Cup final, of course, where you think, right, that's him set. Let's let's go now, and it hasn't quite translated very early in the season. But I think this is his make or break season at Ibrox. I really do. Absolutely. Um, uh, you know, he's either going to be a contributor. I'm not saying he's going to play every week, but he's either going to be a contributor or he's not. Uh, yeah. And I think we will find that out for definite for certain. I don't know anybody who doesn't think the boy's got ability because he does. Um, but we need more. We need output from that. It's not enough to you know. He came on last week against USG, probably the only one that did want to get in the ball, and make things happen, and. and you look at that and you go, right, okay, I get it. Brilliant, more of that. And then, as you say, at the weekend, another disappointing match ends up with him being replaced. So, yeah. Uh, what what worries me, what worries me, Davey, is that you've had Livingston, you've had Kamarno, you get hooked at half-time with Livingston. He could have been hooked into early, let's be honest, because Easy, he, yeah. he squandered a lot of good possession. He's going to be making an impact in the games. If he doesn't make an impact in the kinds of games for his bread and butter, humdrum, kind of domestic games then I don't know if he's worth having that's the problem and as I say this is this is the season to either prove that he can do it or he's he's at the door but you know he gets a lot of chances that see somebody like Sakala doesn't of course. and I would say that Sakala produces more so mm-hmm. you know I, he needs to take advantage of it he needs to do it soon uh, I think there is a lot of goodwill towards him and that helps but it's time for him to stop being a he-could-be player and start being a player, in my mm. opinion. Um, Tess, moving on then to, to probably a kind of a, a bigger, wider point, and it's going to sound like I'm having a moan, and I'm really not. I'm just suggesting that this is maybe a wee bit of a catch-22 situation for us. The game on Saturday, Derek McInnes, Kilmarnock side, come, understandably, he said it himself afterwards, he says two months ago we were trying to get out the championship, they were in a Europa League final, the golf was massive, financially we can't compete, we need to do what we can to try um, and, and, and as best as we can compete with them. And I understand that and he's totally right, he owes me nothing, he owes nobody other than Kilmarnock FC and its supporters anything. I totally get that, right? So this is not a criticism, even though it might sound like it. However, it does strike me that what that leads to, and we see it a lot in Scotland, is rather dull games. Because it's not just against us. Kilmarnock will do that when they go away to most of the way grounds, as well, you know, several other sides. Um, we, we wonder why we can't get much money in for our TV rights. It's because what we serve up in the main is pish. Um, you know, unwatchable dodges. And look, 
I'm a Rangers fan. It would be lovely if everybody, you know, went out and let us win six or seven nil. I get that, but even when we go to their grounds, one of the things you see if there's a discrepancy in other leagues is that at home, in particular, teams will at least have a goal. You don't get that in Scotland, and it just struck me that I thought, well, this is why nobody's going to watch this externally because why would you? It's it's really dull, and you're not going to get much in the way of excitement. I think the one of the unfortunate comparisons that Scotland has got in terms of football is obviously it is so close to England. So we will all watch some yesterday like Brighton going to Old Trafford uh, and winning there 2-1. Not long after they hammered them 4-0 down at their gaff, by the way, uh, towards the end of last season, Brighton will go to Old Trafford and win 2-1. And we think, well... Why can't the smaller team... Because Brighton are a nothing club in the scheme of things. No disrespect to them and their fans. It's one of my favourite away days following Derby. But they're, they're a nothing club, let's be right. And they always have been there. Small fry. So for them to go to Old Trafford, to Manchester United, still the biggest team in England, and get three points, you think, well, why can't teams in Scotland do that? But then you look at the budget that Brighton have got. And yes, although they're small fry, look at what they're paying their players. I mean, there's players in that Brighton team will be on in a week, what the whole of a Kilmarnock will be on in a year. So, you know, you've got to take the quality of the players into account as well. But also in Scotland, the the old firm have moved so far ahead of everybody else that it's 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 just, they might be feeling like it's completely impossible for them to come and get anything. I mean... The chance everybody to catch up was when what happened to us happened to us 10 years ago and nobody took advantage of that. They all wanted us gone, but then never capitalised on our absence. So, you know, I've got no sympathy for them, don't get me wrong. But, you know, it's it's an absolute chasm. So they are thinking if they, if they do come to Ibrox, if they do try to put in a bit of a show, they're just going to get picked apart and hammered. I mean, I remember a couple of years ago, we put seven past Dibs, seven past Motherwell. These are fairly decent, sizable teams in Scotland that we ruined them. So, you know, when, when the likes of Achille comes here, you, you can't blame them for shutting up shop. And again, I certainly have got no issues with them doing that whatsoever. I'd rather, of course, I would rather they came, played an open game and we put seven or eight past them. But that's just not going to happen. In the same way in the, if we were to draw um, Real Madrid or Liverpool in the Champions League group stage this season... And we go there and put on a perfect catanacho. I'd have no issues with that at all whatsoever. You, you know, you, you've, you've got to do what you've got to do to get the points and get the results. And I think the main thing for me, it's not the fact that these teams are doing that because, again, it's all about them getting their points, them getting their results. And if they do, if they are going to lose to us, it's about damage limitation in case goal difference is a thing for whatever it is that they want to do. But the, the main thing for me is that these teams in Scotland in general aren't producing enough decent young players. You know, there isn't a conveyor belt of talent. So that every every now and then, one of these teams does think, you know, like, like Hibs about 15 years ago when they had Scott Brown and Kevin Thompson coming through, that exciting young side they put together with, uh, what's his name, uh, Derek Reardon up front and that, Gary O'Connor. They had a lovely little team, didn't they? You know, it, it's 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 frustrating for me. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm no love of the Scottish national team. That's well known and... You know, but for me, for if the Scottish national team are getting these players in, doing well, it makes a rival with England a wee bit better. Obviously, it raises the standard of Scottish football. And if we're playing against better teams week in, week out, it means we do better in Europe. So the old ecosystem benefits from it. And it's frustrating for me that the facilities aren't in place to bring through the young players or of the scouting networks to get the players from lower leagues, non-league in England 
Two met these teams think, you know what? We are going to go to Ibrox today. We are going to go to Parkhead today. We are going to have a go at them. We're young. We're fearless. We've got nothing to lose. We've got an exciting team. Come on, let's go and give it them. I'd love it if teams were coming to Ibrox and doing that week in, week out. Because again, if the standard of Scottish football gets raised, ultimately the winner's going to be us when we play in Europe. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't really argue with that, uh, Andy. It's all fair and, and the old, you know, you can only tinkle with a winkle God gave you is very much true. It just seems to be one of these situations that is what it is and it's never going to change. And therefore, us whining about it, I suppose, isn't going to create anything. But yeah, I just it leaves us stuck where we are. I don't blame Commander. I don't blame any, any team for, for playing in a fashion that they think is you know, most conducive to them getting a point or, or three. But um, it's the hypocrisy, David, that we consistently hear every year about you know, Scottish teams in Europe, the Scottish national team for long and weary. They, they, kind of, <laughs> they, they make, everybody makes their eight noises about what we, need, what we should be doing. And then don't applaud these teams then. Don't. Tell us Derek McInnes is a, a good football manager then. He's a practical football manager, but he's not progressive. So don't hold about as such. This is the thing that boils me because he, he should never be in contention for any job of note and he shouldn't be held up as a bastion of Scottish football um, because he's not. He, he's an old-fashioned target man, total dirge football Um and he's no adapting, right? So it's the hypocrisy as opposed to the actual practicality. I get the practicality, but don't turn around it and, and lament Scottish football, but at the same time, talk about guys like him. I mean, even look about Malcolm Mackay, and, I, and he's not my favourite person. I'm probably getting into dangerous territory here. No, but, but let's be honest. If Malcolm Mackay wasn't the person that he is, he would probably be managing... Lower yes. end of the English Premiership, you know. I mean, he he shouldn't be at Ross County, but you do see the difference in actual quality manager of course. Make, even in Scotland on a low budget. Yeah, and you, and you see the players as well. Yep. No, I, I can't disagree. But as I say, as what it is, it's not going to change. So um, I'll just have to get on with it and, and stop my complaining. But I agree with Andy as well that you know, let's not hear then about oh, you know, you know, whether Alba, why are we always getting gubbed in Europe? You know. It, there's reasons for this, and they're fairly straightforward and obvious. But we got gubbed in Europe, there's no doubt about it. It was only 2-0, um, and that's the only positive, that it was only 2-0, because we were rotten, uh, albeit terrible penalty decision. It should only be 1-0, but still, had they won 3 or 4, I don't think I could have had any complaints about it, Tess. Now, tomorrow night, um, Rangers welcome USG back to Ibrox. We've never turned over a 2-0 deficit in our, our history. Uh, the 10th most successful club in European football ever, uh, according to a report that was done this week. So, you know, the, even with even with that, we haven't been able to do it. I, I do think it's slightly different now that away goals have gone. I think that changes the dynamic somewhat because in the old days, if you're 2-0 down, the other team came out, got an early goal, sat in, you were done because you needed four and they knew it. So... Uh, I think that has changed it somewhat, but it would still be a very big ask. Uh, first things first, if Rangers play the way they played last week, not only will we not win the tie, we won't win the match, we'll lose. We were rotten, absolutely scandalously bad. No hiding place from that. Uh, I I think that USG tests are well organised. I think they're hard working. I think they wanted it more on the night, which was probably the most unforgivable thing for me. But I don't think they're great. I, I really don't think they're a, a, a fantastic side. 
Rangers should be capable of beating this side by two goals. But again, it's all about what we do on the night. We are absolutely capable of beating them four or five nil one Tuesday night, there tomorrow night. We are absolutely capable of doing that. Um, if everybody's firing all cylinders, if Gio gets his tactics right, which more often than not in Europe he does, uh, if we can get, well, I, I, he didn't last week. That. He in didn't last week, mate. No, but more more often than not he does. So I, I think he's earned the benefit of the doubt for getting us getting us all the way to Seville. Uh, if Alfie can play a part, because we know how essential he is in Europe, if the crowd play their part, we can absolutely blow them away tomorrow. Alternatively, we wind back 12 months against uh, Malmo. Uh, the crowd weren't really up for it. I think we just expected to beat them. We, even though we went into that 2-1 down from the first leg, I think the crowd, we just expected us to win and get into the playoff like it was a formality. You know, if the crowd aren't up for it uh, against USG, then... The players won't be either. That, that that symbiotic relationship. It's it's one of the most beautiful things about Ibrox on a, on a big European night. And met no bones about it. Tomorrow it's a big European night. If just for getting in that player for loan, is it is it five million pound or something? Daft that I've seen. Um, you know, let alone the chance to compete for a, for a place in the group stage proper. To, tomorrow night is absolutely huge. Um, it's it's going to take something special because to to overturn a two goal debt, we, we we could wipe that out in the first ten minutes and stuff them. Of course we could, will we? More than likely not. So what you got to look at is we we do need to be getting a goal in the first 15, 20 minutes. Really give them something to think about. Level by half time would be ideal because uh, obviously we all want to get it wrapped up in normal time as opposed to going to extra time. Because at this early stage in the season, you just don't know if they've got it in the legs to to fight all the way for 120 minutes, especially as it's likely to be quite a warm evening tomorrow because we've got this heat wave back, haven't we? So it's it's going to be tough. It's going to be very tough. that They showed what they're about last week. I didn't think they were great, as you've said, but they were good enough to beat us. And if we don't turn it on tomorrow night, they'll be good enough to beat us again. So what I want to see is I want to see Ibrox full of expectation and absolutely buzzing. Let alone, no, forget the fact it's a third qualifier. That's a, it's in terms of our season. Tomorrow night is absolutely huge. So once the eyebrows rocking, proper getting behind the players who will respond because they've shown time and again in Europe last season they will respond to that. You know, I want I want to see Gio get his tactics shot. I want to see every single player out there just run the bollocks off basically and just get get the job done because for us to fail in the Champions League at this stage two years running. With the resources we've got in comparison to the teams that we've been playing, it, it will be unacceptable. On that, Andy, Tess mentioned something that Ibrox going to be rocking, and there is no place like it when it is. And we saw last season on the run the effect it can have on the opposition teams. But I always think that yes, that can happen. But you need the you need the players to light it. It's like a pilot light. It needs the players mm. to just have the spark to get it going. And when they do, then wow. Um, but there is a responsibility on the players to do that. They can't wait for the crowd to lift them. I think it's, you know, there's a little bit they need to do and then the crowd will run with it and carry them, but they have their role to play initially, in my opinion. Uh, it's symbiotic and I've got to be honest, I'm, I'm pessimistic about Tuesday night and um, it's because of the red flags I spoke about at the start of the show. I just think that if we've got to force the issue I don't know if we're capable of it just yet. I, 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 this is—it's too much like Malmo last year, where we 
we came away for the first leg just alive and no more. We had an expectation getting to the second one and it's an easier game for them to play than for us, is my belief, because I thought they were well organised. They basically took the Livingston blueprint and they did it, but with far better attacking players. And I think we were wary of them on the break and I think we'll be very wary of them on the break tomorrow. And there's 90 minutes to get two goals and take it to extra time. I think that's a realistic outlook. But I think... The Rock and Ibrooks thing, yes, we're off the back of last season where we had, you know, lifetime highs of Leipzig and Braga. I think tomorrow the biggest thing for the support tomorrow is patience because I think the team, I don't think they're going to come out all going to blazing. I think you're going to have passes across the back four. I think that's obvious. I think they're going to have to be very, very patient because let's face it, we lose a goal tomorrow, it's done. And I think any goals at any point in that game, and I, and I hear you know, experienced pundits talking about off oh, Rangers getting an early goal. Aye, great, but I'll be honest with you, I think if we're going at half-time, it's still not needs. The game's still alive, as hard as that may be. I think patience is key tomorrow as opposed to coming out and um, all guns blazing. It's a very, very big ask, very big ask. And I think that the flow and again, players playing together, if we find it tomorrow, it could kick-start the season very, very early because... If we get St. Johnson Saturday, then I think we play, we'll be playing again next Tuesday or Wednesday, wouldn't we, for the next game against PSV or Monaco? So, um, I don't know. I think we've just given ourselves too much to do. That second goal was an absolute killer. 1-0, I think we're going through. 2-0 changes it so much. Yeah, might as well no go now, eh? Well, I was going to say that, but um, I, I, I'm a, I listen. I am as well today. I don't know if it's my day you've or whatever. So you've changed since you became a father. You used to be a life and soul of a party, and look what it's done. <laughs> and I warned you. I said, Andy. I said, I said, Andy, you're too old for this. And you went, No, no, no. I know what I'm doing. Well, I'm definitely too old for it. I'm not disputing that. <laughs> Um, I, I actually believe it or not, I, I don't think that a goal for them kills it. If it's the first one, I actually, I, I take that back. But, you know, if we're like 2-0 up and they get one, I wouldn't think that would be, and it shouldn't be the end of the, the end of the matter. But yeah, I think Rangers do need to come out and they need to give the crowd something. Uh, and they need to show the opposition that, you know, look, last week you got lucky with us having a terrible, terrible performance because this mob will arrive confident and deservedly so. Tess nailed it there. They were able to beat us comfortably. Wasn't close. Wasn't close in any area of the park. Um, and that that's the most frustrating thing. You ask your players, leave it all out in the park, and we didn't last week. We didn't get close to it. That is not the Rangers team that, that we watched last season. It's not the Rangers team we expect to watch this season. Um, it was very poor. And I, I, I do, I think they've got to, you know, fans were incredibly loyal travelling or in Europe to watch them and they gave us some great moments and we gave them some great backing. Tomorrow night, I think they need to deliver for us a performance that's, that's worthy of that support. So, Pressure is on them, but they got themselves into it. John Lundstrom at the press conference today acknowledged that. They got themselves into that situation, but he says we're, we're good enough to get ourselves out of it. So let's hope that that proves to be the case. As Tess mentioned there, there's five million quid. Yes, we're going into the Europa League if we lose, and that's you know a, at least a nice financial safety blanket. But there's five million quid if we go through it the next round and lose and then go into the... you know That's a lot of money. So uh, I don't think we can under... Uh, we can underestimate the value of this. Uh, right, that will almost do us. Just a, a quick shout for our uh, executive producers in London, Mike Lee and Paul Miles. And thank my two guests, first of all, uh, to James Tessier. Thank you very much for having me. And to Andy McGowan. 
My pleasure. Sorry if I've killed your buzz, everybody. Enjoy uh, the game tomorrow night. Uh. You away and get like a, a can of, of energy drink um, <laughs> and just, you know, sit down on the couch, get your hand in your trousers, just relax, right? Like Al Bundy. Al Bundy style. Aye, exactly. There's one for the kids, eh? Right, <laughs> folks, thanks very much for joining us. We'll be back. Loads of coverage on Heartland. Full coverage, Heartland and Patreon. Go and sign up. Thousands of you listen to this that don't sign up. You'd love it. That's the thing. You'd absolutely love it. And it's from one fifty a month. So, you know, less than a half-priced coffee. So uh, go over to patreon.com forward slash heart and hand. We'll be back, as I say, full coverage from Ibrox tomorrow. And uh, Adam will be back with Heart and Extra later in the week, hopefully celebrating a mammoth European victory. We did a few of them last season and they were always fun to do. We'll talk to you again then. Till then, I hope your team wins tomorrow night. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.